Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. Darren asked me if I would uh, continue in this series in 1 John, which has been kind of running through the summer. And if you were here last week, uh, you heard a message on the uh, beginning of the fourth chapter, and I'm going to pick up uh, at uh, verse uh, 7 in uh, chapter 4 of 1 John. And 1 John is one of the letters in the New Testament. John actually wrote three letters that are here. And, uh, and, and this, this has to do with, you know, like building the church. Uh, you know, what happens after people come to Christ when they get converted? What happens when the gospel comes to people and they uh, respond? They say yes. Uh, and, and, and the answer is, as far as the New Testament is concerned, they're bound together into a family, into a community, and John writes this letter to, um, to define that. Uh, There's some who have left this community and they have gone astray, and so he deals with that. Uh, but he also defines, you know, who we are. And so if you're wondering uh, or, you know, you're not sure, you know, well, maybe I've become a Christian, I've committed my life to Christ, or I'm considering that, what would the consequences be? This letter lays it out fully. And so um, I'm going to just take us right into um, the heart of it this morning. And I don't know whether we have anything that goes up there or not. I sent something in, but, you know, it's a little sketchy. <laughs> so I let me let me read uh, now you have to understand okay um, I'm old I'm old school um, I chose this t-shirt to wear today hoping to look a little more you know current to the congregation <laughs> but I'm not sure that I do um, but anyway, um, my, my background is, uh, you know, Darren's absolutely on, on target, converted in young life, but then I became a part of the evangelical wing of the Presbyterian Church, uh, which means uh, it's traditional. Um, and uh, so what we do in the Presbyterian Church is we read the scripture before we talk about it. So that's what I'm going to do right now. So if you have a Bible, um, you're, you're in bad luck because it's so dark in here. Nobody can read anything. But if you have a, a phone, you can go to this, okay? <laughs> this is First John. It's, it's uh, one of the little letters at the back of the New Testament. Um, and I'm going to start reading in verse 7. And this is the... Uh, like, you know, what do we do today? There's so many different translations. Everybody, well, that's not in my Bible. What, what's going on here? And, and th- that can be confusing. This is the NIV, the New International Version, which isn't so new anymore. Uh, but anyway, that's what I'm reading from, okay? Starting chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, and by the way, that's a horrible translation. I, I've told Darren in the past, it, you know, it's kind of snobby to talk about original language and junk like that. But uh, the, um, when John writes this letter, he just says, um, 
it, it would be the, like in kind of archaic English, beloved. It's the word love is this, this word. It's, it's, it's within that family. And some of you who have heard this, if you've been around for a while, uh, there's some different Greek words for love, and one is agape, and this is from that family of words. So it's, uh, you know, it, John is using a very, um, very powerful word as he addresses these believers, namely, you're loved, uh, you love, uh, you're, uh, you're in the family, <laughs> and you're loved into the family. So that's, so dear friends is like, what a, it, it's, it's, it's kind of crap is what it is. Okay, verse 7. Dear, uh, 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 loved folks, brothers and sisters who are loved. Okay, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son, or only begotten son, into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice or an offering, um, a propitiation uh, for our sins, a covering for our sins. Dear friends, again, um, loved family members, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him, and he in God. This is a long passage, by the way. Some of you now, you're kind of thinking about what you're going to do for lunch and, you know, wondering, did I leave the oven on? Anyway, don't worry about that. Um, it's too late. <laughs> um, <clears throat> verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In uh, this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Anyone who says, I love God, yet hates his brother is a liar. Uh, and that refers uh, in context to those who have departed from this uh, little Christian community, and there's a lot of hatred that they have toward, uh, uh, toward the community. And, you know, when people reject us, uh, our first instinct is to reject them, right? To respond in kind. And John is saying, no way, don't do that. Okay. Uh, I, <clears throat> yet he hates his brother. He's a liar for anyone who does not love his brother and, of course, that's within the body, but it's also a much larger reality. Whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Lord, we thank you for your word, Holy Spirit. Thank you for inspiring John to write these words for us. And now we pray that you'll illumine us 
and teach us and encourage us and build us up. We want to be the body of Christ, part of that body here in Long Beach and, and, and far beyond Long Beach. So, Lord, give us the grace to be that people that love you and love each other and fill us with your love right now through Jesus and in his name we pray. Amen. Um, I had, uh, in, in a season of my life, ministry season, this was actually during, during the Jesus movement, 60s and 70s of the last century, which of course really dates me. Um, but anyway, um, I had a, a, a really good brother, and he was uh, going into the army. Uh, and we were in this house, I was single at the time, and he was single, and we had a bunch of guys living together, and what have you. Anyway, so uh, we had served uh, and, and ministered together, and we went out and had dinner, came back, sat in the living room, the two of us. Um, you know, it was the final night that we would be together before he, uh, he began to serve. And uh, so we're sitting there, and he gets up and goes in the bathroom and comes back with a wet cloth and a little bar of soap. And I'm sitting there in this chair, overstuffed chair, and uh, he gets on his knees in front of me and starts untying my shoes. And I was confused. <laughs> you know, honestly, I thought, what's going on here? And then the passage in John's Gospel in chapter 13 came to me where Jesus washes the disciples' feet and then he commands them, uh, he talks about giving them a new commandment for them to do as he did. He says, if I, your, uh, your teacher, your master and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And my buddy, Gary, was doing that. He was taking my shoes off and my socks. And you know what my first instinct was? Was to say, stop, don't do it. And I was thinking, oh, I, you know, my feet are smelly. You know, I, you know, I... I I haven't changed my socks for a while and stuff like that. I was, you know, I was into myself in terms of, you know, and, and I was confused as to what he was doing. And then it began to become clear. And uh, so he takes my shoes and socks off and he washes my feet with this damp towel and this little bar of soap. He's on his knees in front of me. And I tell you, it broke me. It just broke me. And uh, it still does when I think about it. I was so humbled, and it was kind of like, you know, Gary became transparent, and I could see Jesus doing that for me. And he says, this is, this is it. This is the new commandment. Love as I have loved you. Love each other in the same way. And that's at the very heart of, of what he does, and who he is, and why he's come. And uh, so... Uh, probably at least 30 years later and maybe 40 or 50 years later, John writes this letter and he um, was there when Jesus washed the disciples' feet and John had his feet washed by Jesus and John writes now about love, loving each other the way Jesus loves us and, uh, um, and, and so that uh, dramatic moment in his life stands behind the teaching and the exhortation that he's giving to us as the church today. 
And it is heavy. It is really, really heavy if you stop and think about it. And I was, you know, I was broken. I started crying, I, you know. And, but you know what I experienced? Honestly, I experienced, then after I kind of got through that and I realized what was going on, I felt this tremendous emotion of love for my brother. I was humbled, I was broken, and I just, you know, I just, I felt it. It was, it was you know, huge. Um, we had been in ministry together for several years. We'd been on the streets and what have you, and I'm not going to tell this story, but there was the, the most uh, famous drug addict in Westchester at that time. Uh, he was uh, addicted to barbiturates, what they called reds then, and uh, these are um, um, very, very dangerous drugs, barbiturates. And he, his uh, addiction was 14 reds a day. And then if he wanted to party, he would go up to 16. If you took two, uh, we'd have to carry you home. Um, and, and anyway, his name's Mark, and so... Uh, Gary was good friends with Mark, and, and we decided we're going to go and get Mark, and we're going to, you know, tell him about Jesus. And we did, and, and long story short, he became a, a believer. And then um, we uh, knew that we had to somehow get him off of these drugs, which were huge. So we took him up in the mountains to this cabin, and we uh, isolated him, and the withdrawal started. And I had a friend who was a probation officer, a Jewish woman, wonderful, wonderful woman. And I went to see her while we had Mark up in the mountains. And I told her about him, and she said, you've got to get him in the hospital right away. You cannot withdraw someone from barbiturates the way you're doing it. He's liable to have a, you know, have a seizure, and, and he'll die. So I get in my car, this is down in L.A., drive back up in the mountains near Arrowhead, and I'm just panicked as I drive up there, and I go into the cabin. Several of the brothers are there together with Mark, and uh, within five minutes, he has a seizure, falls on the floor, quits breathing, turns blue. And I'm down on my knees, digging my finger between his clenched teeth, and by the grace of God, somehow I got it through the clenched teeth, and I pulled on his lower jaw, and I still have the scar on my finger, <laughs> you know, years and years later. I pulled on his jaw, and he finally took a breath and began to breathe again, and the color returned to his face. We got him to the hospital and got him off of all of that. And uh, uh, long story short, finished UCLA, went to Fuller Seminary, School of Psychology. He's a psychologist today. You know, he, I'm sure he's retired. I've lost contact with him, but, you know, that was another era. But uh, uh, so, so Gary was a key person in that event and many others. And here he is washing my feet. And I just felt this tremendous love for him and gratitude that God had brought us together to, uh, to, to, to uh, represent Jesus to that generation and to be hands-on involved in ministry together. Now, the reason that I'm telling you this story is because if you're going to speak as a guest, you have to tell a good story to try to get the audience interested in what you're talking about. Uh, that's one of the reasons, but that's not the reason. 
Uh, I'm, you see, the thing is, I don't feel like I'm competing with Darren at all. Matter of fact, That would be uh, that would be a non-starter, you know. I, like I'd be pulling a little wagon out here, and I'd be, you know, doing different things. But you know, okay, I'm, I'm way off script. Um, men and women, you are blessed to have one of the finest preachers in the world. Most Sundays here, and I'm not saying that, you know. I mean, if if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't say it. Why would I lie, lie about it? And I come down here, you know, for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons my friend Robbie and I now are coming together pretty much is I want to hear good preaching. I do. I'm sick and tired of flabby preaching and flabby preachers. You know, their diet is like uh, Twinkies or something. You know, like, you know, it's not the Word of God. And, and so I make the journey here because I want to hear the gospel. I want to hear the Bible proclaimed. I want to hear good news. I want to hear people call to Christ. This is a dying world. I want to see God work in our midst. Uh, that, that's, that's what I'm about. And, uh, and so um, the history that I have without spending any more time on that at all is to see God's love the love of Jesus invade people's lives and transform them and heal them and then use them uh, in the great kingdom adventure of living for him. There's nothing more uh, wonderful and more uh, stressful <laughs> than that. And we invite you to a life of wonder and stress. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Now, if you paid attention to the scripture, and if not, uh, it'd be great for you to read it over later in the day and think about it. You know, it's all about love. Uh, you know, that's why the NIV translators, they're just, they start off at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. No, no, no. Dear loved ones, love. <laughs> you know, that's who you are, so that's what you do. You're loved, and it's not that you love God. God loves you. And he's come to you. And, and, and so now, as a result of that, we are uh, enabled and called to love each other and to represent God in his love in this world. Now, the, the problem with the translations for us English-speaking people is that there are several Greek words for love. And I'm not going to give you a Greek lesson right now. Uh, but C.S. Lewis has written a really classic little book called The Four Loves. And, and he talks about three different Greek words for love, and he puts them under the category of need love, and we all need love. Uh, we need a mother to uh, change our diapers, and a father to... How often do you do that? All the time, yeah. Anyway, um, you know, I mean, we, we need somebody to feed us. We need to be cared for. We need, in other words, there, there are all kinds of needs that are part of uh, the reality of our creation and who we are. And, uh, and of course, you know, as we uh, go through puberty, then there's sexual desire and need, and there's the need for uh, um, friendship and what have you. But Lewis talks about need love, he has three different categories, all based upon different Greek words. 
But then there's another category, and the English word love just doesn't, doesn't do it. But here's, here's, what Lewis, here's the title that Lewis gives to this other category, which is at the heart of this chapter and this passage, and that is gift love. You see, there's the need loves that we have, and we need. We need each other. We need to be here. We need to enjoy uh, community together, blah, blah, blah. But there's another love, a whole different other kind of love, and it's gift love, and it's God's love, and it's God's love in operation in this world, and we are the recipients of that by faith in Jesus Christ, and we receive his gift love, and we give it. But it's not ours. (laughs) It's wild, isn't it? We're giving away the love that God has given to us, and that's really here at the heart of this chapter or this passage in this chapter. Now, three things that John says about this. First of all, there's the love which we um, understand as the love of the cross. Listen to this. John says, um, verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God. Now, love, again, it's this, the, the gift love. Whoever doesn't gift love doesn't know God, okay? Because God is love. God is gift love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, not that we're that cool. Matter of fact, we're screwed. Ever notice that? Um... Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So uh, John's going to make three points here. And here's the the revelation that God has given to us of himself. He's a trinity. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all in this passage. And, And so when John says, Beloved, you're loved. You brothers and sisters who are loved... You're loved by God, and this is his deal. This is his love invading the world, sending his son to deal with the deepest issue of your life. And you know what it is? It's being separated from God or making an idol out of God and, uh, you know, and, and, and turning your daydream about, well, God is such a loving father. He's such a wonderful God. He would never send anybody to hell. He's a wonderful God. He would never do anything, you know, to to upset my little plans for my little life, for my own self-fulfillment. This is the narcissistic culture of the narcissistic generation, and it's bullshit. You know why? Because it's not about you, and it's not about me. It's about God who has made us to live a life that's a reflective of him, we'll get to this in a minute, in this world. And uh, so the first thing is that the deepest issue of our lives that has to be dealt with is being separated from God, and the biblical word is sin. And of course, that's not cool. It's not politically correct to call anybody a sinner today, but we are sinners. In other words, sin is being separated from God and being self-absorbed and not living this life of love where God's love is poured into us and poured through us. So what did God do about that? He sent his son 
to be the sacrifice for our sins. In other words, it's the cross, folks. It stands at the center of our faith. It's at the center of biblical revelation. It's God paying the penalty which you and I deserve as lawbreakers, as sinners. He's paid the penalty for our sin. He's closed the gap. He forgives us. And when you come to Christ and receive him and confess your sins to him, you are forgiven. And he stamps on your account, not guilty. The end. Do you believe that? Yeah. Somebody does. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's a battle for us because we carry a lot of guilt and regret and, and those kinds of things. But here it is. God's love is absolutely... Um, unimaginable in, in the sense that he loves you. He sent his son to take the burden from you of your past, sense of failure and brokenness in your life, to take it upon himself. God takes responsibility for that when you entrust your life to him, and it is through his son that that's been done. What did Jesus Pray from the cross in John's gospel. He doesn't pray, cry out, I am finished. He prays, it is finished. What is the it? It is the sacrifice for your sin and my sin so that we can be forgiven and know God and have a whole new life and not carry the crap around any longer. Yeah, see, somebody, somebody believes that over there. <laughs> um, okay. So that's the first thing that John is saying about this. It's not, that we, it's not our initiative. It's God's intervention. It's God's love. It's, it's God sending his son. It's the sacrifice that he's made for sin so that you and I might have a relationship with him. Okay, that's the first thing. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Interesting, isn't it? He doesn't say we ought to love him. He says we ought to love each other because he loves us. In other words, God's love is creative and powerful, and it releases us from the narcissism and the self-consumption of our lives. It releases us to love each other. And in this world, there is, there, there's a whole new humanity, and it's here in Long Beach, and it's here in the garden, men and women who've been set free from self-consumption and who are loving each other because they're loved. You know, it's the loved who love. God's love enables us to love each other, Okay? And, by the way, not only does that happen, but God enables it in us. Look at verse 13. We know that we live in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And then John goes on, we have seen and testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. So, in other words, not only does Jesus take um, the barrier and the burden and the, and the judgment against sin on himself as he goes to the cross, the sinless Son of God dying for us, but then he gives us his Spirit. In other words, he empowers us by his Holy Spirit to become lovers. 
That's pretty neat, isn't it? You think, oh my gosh, how can I love the way God loves and all that? And, and, you know, and, and the point is you can't. But the point is that God transforms us and enables us to love as he loved, and he gives us his spirit. So God not only deals with the past, but he deals with the present, and he comes to live in us and empower us to do the life that Jesus has lived and called us to live. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it's, it's really true. When I was in high school through Young Life, I, came, I heard the, the message of the cross. Christ died for me. And I was broken by it. I didn't understand much, but I understood his love and his taking my place. What I deserved, he bore. And I accepted Jesus into my life. And his presence came in me. Uh, and uh, I began to uh, experience that. And then at a later point in my life, um, I uh, really experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, the overwhelming power of the Spirit to equip me for ministry and, uh, and, and that was a huge and very important moment in my life. And for many in this room, that's true. And uh, I mean, you know, some people, when they accept Jesus, they just are filled with his, his life and his power immediately. Uh, for others, the Holy Spirit comes, but he has more to do in them. And I'm one of those people, uh, uh, more to do. And so um, John says, okay, past dealt with on the cross by Jesus present, available, the Holy Spirit living in us, enabling us to do what Jesus did, and that all then takes us to the future. And this is, this is where we're, uh, to quote Mike Pellavacci, this is where we're going to land this morning, okay? Uh, if you don't know who he is, you've, you've missed a lot. He's, he's one of the biggest Greek people I've ever met, and he's amazingly gifted by God. And uh, anyway, okay, verse 16, John says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love was, is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So um, what John is saying here is that uh, not only does God love us and does God forgive us and does God live in us, but God then prepares us and takes us because of the transformation that is taking place and continuing to take place in our lives to the final day when he will judge the nations and we don't have to be afraid of that. We don't have to uh, live in fear. We are not to live in fear because the God who made us and who loves us and who's come for us in his son uh, is um, filling us with his power and his life and helping us to love as he loved and to love each other. And we're going to become, as this happens, this is, this is God's purpose, we're going to become more and more like Jesus. Catch this. 
We will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him, like Jesus. Verse 17. That's where God's taking you. Taking you. He doesn't just um, redeem you or save you or forgive you so that you can go to heaven. That's part of the deal, but that's not the deal. He, uh, he comes into your life to transform you and to make you more and more like himself. And as you grow in that, you're ready to see him face to face. You are. It's not like, oh, I can't imagine. Oh, you know, one day I'm going to have to stand before Jesus and, 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 and I'm scared to death. No, 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 no. Uh, John says, it does, in, in this letter, he says, uh, Beloved, um, uh, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but when he appears, we'll be like him. So what he's doing is he's repopulating this planet with images of himself and tag, you're it. And he's getting us ready for the great day when he will judge the nations and the world. Okay, I got to wrap up. Um, okay, well, how, how, does this, how does this actually work out? It doesn't work out by coming here on Sundays and listening to good teaching. This is helpful. It lays a foundation. But the only way that it works out is to become brothers and sisters and to love each other. And, you know, um, to quote AA, when you isolate, you're sick. And we live in a radically isolated culture. People are lonely. They're fearful. They use the social media to try to connect and then it turns out that they're bad people there, and the culture then kind of blows up and stuff like that. But God has called us to himself and to each other. When you isolate, you're sick. If you're isolated today, if you know in your heart of hearts, I don't have anybody uh, to wash my feet. You're sick. And just call me Dr. Don. I'm not uh, trying to uh, bum you out. I'm just giving you a diagnosis that will lead to the cure. And the cure is to open your heart to Jesus and to the family and to belong to the family. Uh, th this would be a little, a bit of an overstatement, but it, it's just, just a bit. And that is, if you're not in a, in a, in a what do you call them, you call, home group, uh, Community group, there you go. If you're not in a community group, you're not a part of this church. You're not a part of the body of Christ unless you have an alternative to that somewhere else. Who's washing your feet? And whose feet are you washing? Jesus says, this is in John 13, if I, your master and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. That's it. So if you, you know, if you're honest before the Lord and before us, or if you can be, and you say, you know, I, I don't have anybody to wash my feet. 
and I don't have anybody's feet to wash, then let me, let me give you this invitation. Come here to the front, and uh, we will pray with you, and we will connect you to, a, to a, a, a community group of people, and they're all starting up again in just a very short amount of time, where you can love and be loved, and you can do this, you know? Give your life to Jesus, allow his spirit to fill you, and get ready for the day that you give your life accountability to God. Through Jesus, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, where God then will fulfill his purpose for you in your life. So, a lot of you need this. You do. You're not connected. Unless this is a, the most amazing church I've ever been in in my whole life. It, it, you know, and, and a lot of you are. But we have got to get connected. We have to love each other with the love that God puts in our hearts. We need to worship him and receive from him. But he puts his love into our hearts so that we might love each other. And as we love each other, we're going to start loving this world. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.